0: The Bible Study Podcast, episode 735. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues with the study of Hosea with chapters 6 and 7. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We're going to do two chapters today in part because it's one of those weird places where the chapter markers got put in and it's all one thought. Israel unrepentant, Come, Let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth, then my judgments go forth like the sun, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgment of God rather than burnt offerings, as at Adam, they have broken the covenant. they were unfaithful to me. Gilead is a city of evil-doers, stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a victim, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, carrying out their wicked schemes. I have seen a horrible thing in Israel. Then Ephraim is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. Also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people. I'm going to take a break there because that's the end of chapter six. So let's talk about what this says before we go on. One thing I forgot to mention last week, as we were talking about the sin of Israel, one of the things that I skipped over is Israel's leaders are like those who move boundary stones. It's an interesting phrase. And I don't know if everybody caught what that means, but basically you're changing where the boundary is between you and your neighbor. It's like you got up in the morning, early in the morning before, sunlight and you moved the stakes or you move the fence, uh, depending on where you live, that determines where your property line is between you and your neighbor so you can claim some of their land. So you, it's basically cheating. It's someone who is being dishonest and it basically is one of the many places in the Bible where they're telling us that God is not so pleased with, with dishonesty and those who are lying basically for their personal gain but I did want to bring that up because I forgot to mention that last time. So this particular part is a call to Israel to return to God. And as the whole book is, as we've said, but he's torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind our wounds. And so this is that call for remember that God is wanting to forgive that. God isn't wanting to call you back to punish you, but God wants to restore that relationship. And I can't help but reading this as a Christian when I get to places like after two days he will revive us, on the third day he will restore us, I see the cross and Easter in that particular verses. The people who read it in Hosea's time would certainly not see that because that would mean nothing to them. But basically that that God is intending to restore us. God is intending to revive us. That is what he is calling through his prophets to do. So it's just saying, so let's acknowledge the Lord. Let's press on to know him. Press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains. Now, that may not mean as much for some of you who live in places that rains or snows or, you know, there's precipitation all the time. As someone who lives in a land, I think a little bit more like Israel. So where I live in California, we don't get rain from pretty much from May to October. Um, My hometown had a tenth of inch of rain one uh, July 1st, and that broke all cumulative monthly totals. And so for us, the winter rains are very important, especially in an agricultural region. Well, even more so to Israel because Why they have that same problem of it may not rain in the summertime and they need those winter rains, they also don't have quite the system of irrigation and dams and those sort of things that we have. And so they're much more reliant on this as an agricultural nation that those winter rains come and the spring rains come. And so they're talking about how refreshing those are you know, how wonderful it is when they appear. And, you know, as somebody who's going through with the rest of my state, I don't know how many years of drought in a row, as we have tended to do, it is something that, especially that first rain, that first rain that says maybe now will be different. That's the image that the author, that's the image that Hosea is trying to draw here, or that God is trying to draw through Hosea, is that, that refreshing hope of life. That's what it will be like when you come back to God. And so what can I do with you? What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? He says, your love is like the morning mist. And what he's saying here is your love is not substantial, right? By early, like the early dew that disappears. And so their love has disappeared just like those morning mists. And so I will cut you with the words of my prophets. There's an interesting phrase there. I will kill you with the words of my mouth. So basically that Hosea is saying these words that will cut, but he says, I desire mercy, not sacrifice and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offering. So so don't go through the motions. A modern way of saying this would be, I don't care if you go to church as much as I care what you do. I care. Are you a Christian? Not where I find you. If that makes sense. It's not the motions that you go through, but where is your heart? I desire mercy and I sacrifice. How do you deal with other people? An acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings, rather than showing me that you worshiping me by doing the things that we ask you to do. In the Old Testament, that'd be burnt offerings. Show me that you care because you acknowledge me, because you bring me into your decision making process would be another way of saying this, that you care what I think about what you do. So Adam broke the covenant. They were unfaithful to there. And then basically, you know, we got all these problems. Gilead's a problem, stained foots of blood, marauders lie in ambush for a victim. So do bands of priests. Well, that's really getting bad there. They murder on the road to Shechem. They carry out their, their wicked schemes. He's seen horrible things. He's seen horrible things in Israel. Ephraim is given to prostitution. Israel is defiled. And also for you, Judah, a harvest is disappointments. Whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people. And then there's a comma there, and that's where we end this chapter, which is why we're continuing on to the next chapter, Hosea 7, which says, remember that thought was, whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people, and then it continues on in chapter 7, whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed, and the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit, thieves break into houses, bandits rob in the streets, but they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds, Their sin engulfs them. They are always before me. They delight the the king with their wickedness, the princes with their lies. They are all adulterers burning like an oven, whose fire the baker need not stir, from the kneading of the dough till it rises. On the day of the festival of our king, the princes become inflamed with wine, and he joins hands with the mockers. Their hearts are like an oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passion smolders all night. In the morning it blazes like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven. They devour their rulers, all their kings fall, and none of them calls on me. Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat loaf not turned over. Foreigners sap his strength, but he does not realize it. His hair is sprinkled with gray, but he does not notice. Israel's arrogance testifies against him, but despite all this, he does not return to the Lord his God or search for him. Ephraim is like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling to Egypt, now turning to Assyria. When they go, I will throw my net over them. I will pull them down like birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together, I will catch them. Woe to them, because they have strayed from me destruction to them because they have rebelled against me I long to redeem them but they speak out about but they speak about me falsely they do not cry out to me from their hearts but wail on their beds they slash themselves appealing to their gods for grain and new wine but they turn away from me I trained them and strengthened their arms but they plot evil against me they do not turn to the most high they are like a faulty bow their leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent words. For this, they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. So again, we get this series of things of the the symptoms of their sin. Again, their main sin is they're worshiping other gods. But once they start doing that, they start doing all sorts of other things. And so they're breaking into houses. They're robbing in the streets. And he's saying, I re- I remember your deeds. I, I see that what you're doing. They delight the king with their wickedness and the princes with their lies. So their leaders are not discouraging but encouraging all of these things that God sees that he's not pleased with. And again, remember their leaders turned them away from faith in God because of political reasons for their own purpose and power. And they delight the kings with yeah, They're all adulterers. And then there's this thing about an oven. And this is an interesting thing. Their sin here, I think, is what we're talking about. It's it's burning and destroying. I think that's the kind of oven we're talking about here. All, all adulterers burning like an oven, their passions here, with, a, with whose fire the baker need not stir, uh, which is nice if you're a baker, but not so much in this context here. From the kneading of the dough till it rises, on the day of the festival the, they become inflamed with wine, and he joins hands with the mockers. Um, Mockers, it's interesting, is something that comes up in Psalms. It comes up in other places, too, that God is not pleased to those who stand in the place of mockers. Um, I'm thinking that God isn't pleased with a lot of that goes on on Twitter and social media and things like that if God isn't pleased with mockers, because there's a lot of that that goes on now. And why would God be against mocking? Because mocking doesn't sound as bad as a lot of these other things here. But one of the things that I think of is when we start to mock other people, we're really saying you're less than, you're somehow not as the same as me. And when we start to see people that way, it's a whole lot easier for that to lead to other things that are not good. The depersonalization of people where their feelings don't matter, their thoughts don't matter, all of those things never goes any place good. Their hearts are not like an oven. They approach him with intrigue. Their passions are smoldering. Again, we have that that passion, that smoldering, that fire. And they devour their rulers. Now, if you look back, go back to the episodes we did in First and Second Kings and see how many of the rulers didn't rule for very long. Um, there were certainly some rulers in Israel that ruled for a long time, but there were times where there was a lot of intrigue and a lot of assassination and things like that that were going on. Their kings fall and none of them calls on me. So all of this stuff is going on, all of these troubles and things like that, and you're not going to someone who can fix it. Ephraim mixes with the nations. Ephraim is a flat loaf not turned over. You know, and I don't know exactly what this means other than if you're a baker, you're doing it wrong. And I think there is the sense that you're doing it wrong. Foreigner sap their strength. He doesn't realize it. His hair is turning gray. He doesn't notice it. And so it's fading. His strength is fading. His... Youth is fading, and he doesn't realize it. And also, you know, what what I get the sense of that is when you get to that stage, and I'm 60 myself, I've got a little more gray myself, my strength is, you know, sapping some days, your days are showing, it's showing your days are numbered. And I think that's one of the implied things here is, you know, your time is running out, Israel. The way you're heading, your time is running out. And you don't return to the Lord or seek them. He, Ephraim was like a dove, easily deceived and senseless, now calling into Egypt, now calling to Assyria. So they will use the two biggest nations around them at this time period, Egypt and Assyria, and they will try and pit them one off against the other, and they will try and call to one, and then they'll change the minds and call to the other. But they don't call to God. And that's really what God is saying is you're trying to do this. You think you're all clever. You're trying to get out of this situation by, you know, pitting off Egypt against Syria or Assyria against Egypt. But it's Assyria that's going to destroy you, actually. And the only person who can help, the only one who can help, is the one you're not calling. I'm going to pull them down like birds in the sky. When I hear them flocking together, I will catch them. Destruction to them, because they have rebelled against me, I long, but it says, I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely, and redeem is to buy back out of slavery. I long to not just to bring them back, but to pay that penalty that led them into that slavery. They do not call unto me from their hearts, but they wail on their beds. So they know that something is wrong, but they just don't call out to God. They can see destruction coming, maybe, but they don't call out to God. They slash themselves, appealing to their gods. And do you remember that section when we were studying the kings where the prophet Elisha is in this contest against the prophets of Baal? And it's one of the places where we see the worship of the prophets of Baal who are slicing themselves because Baal, who, you know, a demon would be behind the power of that god, is pleased with bloodletting. And so that's literally part of their worship, is to slash themselves with sharp objects so that they bleed to appease this, what they think is a god, and probably in reality is a demon, which is why it's so thrilled with blood. They're So they're appealing to their gods for grain and new wine. So they're appealing to their gods for good harvests, And for us, the equivalent would be we're really looking for success or we're really looking for financial security, but we're not turning to God, who is the source of all security. I train them and strengthen their arms, but they plot against me. They do not turn to the most high. They're like a faulty bow. Faulty bow is interesting. I guess it's just a bow that doesn't work very well. And you can imagine if you have a bow that is weak and you fire an arrow, it's just going to look pretty pathetic. He's saying you're, you don't have any strength and you're not, you're not doing what you should be doing. Their leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent words. For this, they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. So even all of those people that they're calling out to will look on them and not think them as wise as probably they think themselves are, but will see the foolishness of their actions. And I wonder how many people, when they look at us, see the foolishness of our actions sometimes. And certainly, if we are in a situation where we need aid and we're not calling out to the source of our aid, that would be foolishness indeed. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast dot com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. dot com. And thanks. So much for listening. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast, where theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.